His campaign is not denying he had a heart attack, so I'm not going to argue. Uh, I'm not going to argue with people who want to, you know, bury their head in the sand. Oh, myocardial infarction. That it, to the, if you look that up, that's what a heart attack is. So let's not argue whether he did have a heart attack. You got to take your Bernie goggles off. So, however, even though he had a, a mild heart attack, um, I think that the media is trying to exploit that. The bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. Bernie Sanders might be 78, but Bernie Sanders was literally campaigning for four years nonstop. It's not like he stopped campaigning after the 2016 campaign. He was campaigning on the road to stop uh, the repeal of Obamacare. I covered it. He was out with Nissan workers striking. He was out all over the country. 2017, 2018, before he even started his uh, uh, launched his campaign. So this is somebody with a hell of a lot of miles on those tires. He traveled, frankly, in, so, in some periods more than President Trump did. So it makes sense that if he was going to have a health-related illness, yeah, it, it makes sense. It's not necessarily the fact that he's 78. It's the fact that he, frankly, was probably pushing him to, to the point of exhaustion you see reporters, including me, that are acknowledge we're exhausted trying to keep up with him, and we're like 50 years younger than him. So I think that the media, it is fair as the media to say, listen, it's got to be monitored. He's 78. He just had a mild heart attack. Uh, we're not saying he needs to drop out, but it remains to be seen. We'll have to see how he, how quickly he returns, how uh, busy his uh, event schedule is uh, if it seems like he's scaling back significantly if he seems like he's having any physical signs of distress I think these would be fair things uh, I think these would be fair things to say but of course the Washington Post is not a fair outlet the Washington Post is a propaganda mill uh, and the Washington Post essentially because it's its whole thing in life is to essentially get Bernie Sanders out of the race, prop up Joe Biden, prop up Elizabeth Warren, who they recently did a piece comparing Elizabeth Warren and her selfies to abolitionist hero Frederick Douglass. So they'll do anything. They'll go as low as possible. They'll go underground if necessary to smear, exploit Bernie Sanders. Let's take a look at the Washington Post's uh, buffoonery. Uh, and that's all we could call it, absolute buffoonery. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but let's let's take a look at uh, how the Washington Post uh, used Bernie Sanders' uh, health scare to basically push their crusade to get him to drop out. Senator Bernie Sanders' admission late Friday that he had suffered a heart attack three days earlier invited new scrutiny of the presidential candidate's age, health, and ability to keep up with the rigors of a national campaign. Very interesting that they've never written an article about how Joe Biden can't string together three words without stumbling, how Joe Biden is literally forgetting what cities he's in, how Joe Biden literally forgot the president, President Obama's name in his speech, how Joe Biden literally couldn't remember the two cities that had back-to-back -back mass shootings within 24 hours. Yeah, I don't really see many articles about that from the Washington Post. I digress. Uh, Sanders released the video hours after he was discharged from a Las Vegas hospital, thanking well-wishers for their support and promising to return soon to the campaign trail. Quote, I'm feeling much better, Sanders said, arm draped around wife Jane. 
But neither Sanders nor his campaign offered details about how serious his condition was, leaving open, leaving open the question of how soon we would reemerge and whether voters would lose confidence in his ability to serve as president. The episode also brought new attention to a Democratic field that is dominated by three septuagenarians, Sanders 78, former Vice President Biden 76, and Warren 70, each of whom would be the oldest president ever to take office. So what's interesting about this, but neither Sanders nor his campaign offered details about how serious his condition was, leaving, op leaving open the condition, the question of how soon he would reemerge and whether voters would lose confidence. Well, what would you like them to say? They've told you he had a heart attack. They told you he's going to be off the campaign trail for a week or a week or so. Do, do, do you want the campaign to tell you uh, Bernie's up all night? He, you know, he's got heart palpitations after the fact. He doesn't know if he's going to be able to, you know, keep up his schedule. It, you know... You want him to tell you if it was a mild heart attack or a mild to moderate heart attack or a severe heart attack? Use your eyes. The man was out of the hospital in two and a half days. So I don't, I, I don't know what more. Yes, I think when you're running for president, okay, let me, let me put it this way. In your personal life, if you're not a public figure, your health is your private information. You know, if he was, um, if it was a severe, severe heart attack, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be out of the hospital in two and a half days. If it was a severe, severe heart attack, I'm pretty sure, I don't know, I'm pretty sure he'd drop out, right? I mean, I mean, you got to put your health first. Uh, um, somebody who has a mild heart attack and then have stents in uh, generally could leave the hospital in two and a half days. Also, you know, the, the media was, high, you know, sh uh, basically schwitzing, as I say, that they didn't know immediately that it was a heart attack. Well, maybe the campaign, but more importantly, Bernie Sanders' family is discussing his options. Maybe we, were, we weren't in the hospital with him. Maybe they were discussing options before they wanted to uh, relay to the media. It's not like you don't know what was going on for weeks on end. It took three days. Do you think if Joe Biden was hospitalized with a heart attack, he would tell anyone even in three days? Do you think Donald Trump, if he was hospitalized with a heart attack, would tell anyone, period? I mean, it's, it's buffoonery that they are dwelling on the fact that the campaign was hiding for days, two and a half days, that he had a mild heart attack. And I'm not a doctor, but also, uh, it, it, could have, it could have been that initially it was not known that it was a heart attack and other uh, tests showed it was a heart attack. We don't know. So the Washington Post is basically uh, saying, you know, he, his campaign is not telling anybody how serious it is. I, I, I just don't know what that means. It's a heart attack. He's 78. He's saying he's taking some time off before he returns to the campaign trail. Obviously, he, his family, don't think it's serious enough for him to drop out. So what do you want them to tell you? Then, then it gets better, though. I think anybody's health is of concern when it comes to the high office, said uh, Jeremy Dumkrieger, chairman of the Woodbury County, Iowa Democratic Party, who supported Sanders in 2016, but is neutral so far this year. Quote, you know, if the person was 40 and was having some issues, I've had concerns about it, too. Sanders, but, but, but let's move on. 
Here we go. The campaign's decision to wait three days to reveal that Sanders has suffered a heart attack conjured images of Hillary Clinton's collapse in 2016 at a memorial service for the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. Clinton at the time, the Democratic presidential nominee, had been diagnosed with a pneumonia two days early, but her campaign did not reveal that fact until many hours after she had fainted. Uh, I don't know why it conjures that up for you, because it's entirely different. Hillary Clinton passed out on camera, right? It's a little different than Bernie Sanders asking for a chair to, to give a speech and then going to the hospital. So, yeah, if, 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 if the front runner of the 2016 race passes out, yeah, I think her campaign should explain that she has pneumonia relatively quickly. If Bernie Sanders just quietly goes to the hospital uh, and who knows when it was known that he had a heart attack. I mean, I spoke with, uh, I spoke with uh, my dad's friend the other day who had a heart attack. They didn't even know it was a heart attack for days. So this is not, we don't know exactly the minute he knew it was a heart attack. So, and not all heart attacks are created equally. So I'm trying to be fair where I say, okay, a 78 year old man having any type of heart attack, mild or not, is significant. I'm not going to sugarcoat it that it's not. I can't be a Bernie fanboy. I mean, I would say this about any 78-year-old. But a mild heart attack is different than a major heart attack. But the part about the Washington Post propaganda that really, really gets to me, that really, really gets to me, and it shouldn't because I'm not shocked or anything, is then they put in the propaganda. Then they dropped in the propaganda. Sanders hasn't faced the same scrutiny, in part because he's struggling to gain momentum in the Democratic primary contest. Sanders doesn't have a, quote, strong path to the nomination, said Chris Wilson, a Republican pollster. So it's less of a story all around. It's less of a story. His heart attack is less of a story all around. First of all, I don't know which part of that statement is more absurd and propagandish. That he's struggling to gain momentum? Bernie Sanders just raised more money from uh, for more donors, individual donations, than any presidential candidate in history. Let that sink in. Bernard Sanders, $18 average donation, just raised more money than any other politician in history in a three-month period. $25.3 million dollars from $1.4 million donations. Yeah, struggling to gain momentum in the Democratic primary contest. The polls are what the polls are. But also, as I've talked about, you know, you got to look at each poll with a little degree of scrutiny because they're undersampling young people in a lot of these polls. The overall sample size is very low. And in a lot of these polls, they are only polling, you know, kind of traditional, like, very liberal Democrats rather than actually younger progressives. But this is never brought up, and Gallup uh, did a, had a great piece about this. Which Democratic presidential nominee led throughout the primary campaign? Barack Obama didn't lead until May of 2008. John Kerry did not lead until February of 2008. In the polls, excuse me, of 2004, John Kerry took the lead. Bill Clinton, Bubba, didn't lead until January 1992. Dukakis 
middle of February, 1988. Carter, middle of April, 1976. McGovern, don't know, but very late into that election year. I cut off the top by accident. Humphrey, don't know the month, late into 1968. Kennedy, that looks like middle of January, 1960. The point is, most of the people that eventually won the nomination didn't lead until early into the election year. So Bernie Sanders, you know, the Washington Post, he's, oh, let's find a Republican. Let's find some Republican hack pundit to say, oh, Bernie Sanders, yeah, he's struggling to gain momentum. You know, don't worry about the $25.3 million he just uh, earned more than over $10 million more than Joe Biden, more than Elizabeth Warren. Don't worry about he has more volunteers than anyone in this campaign. Don't worry about the fact that he's beating Donald Trump head to head in every every uh, state so far, other than like red states like Texas and so on. He's beating Donald Trump in Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Ohio, I believe, as well as Pennsylvania. You know, kind of important states. No momentum, no path to the nomination, no path to the nomination. Honestly, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I I believe, uh, I don't know if Bernie Sanders would ever openly talk about it, because if you think they are crucifying him now, wait, just wait if he said stuff like this. I, I, think, I think places like the Washington Post need to be regulated. I think private corporate media needs to be regulated. I'm not talking about like, um, what, what Trump is talking about, you know, basically changing libel laws and all these things to basically put a gag order on real journalism. But frankly, this, the, the amount of propaganda that comes out from these outlets, usually aimed at one individual, it just so happens one individual, this, this is propaganda. This is almost like corporate, you know, they talk about state-run TV, like they call RT state TV or Fox News state TV. What about corporate state TV? Because that's what this is. You know what? Bernie Sanders had a heart attack. It would be fair for the Washington Post to say, you know, it needs to be monitored, yada, yada, yada. But then you're then slipping in that he has no path to the nomination, that he's struggling to gain momentum. In what metric is he struggling to gain momentum? He's still, he, uh, recent poll in Nevada, he was tied for the lead with Joe Biden. Recent polls in New Hampshire, he was competitive. Recent poll in California, he was tied for first, I believe. Uh, recent polls in New Hampshire, he was competitive. Iowa, different polls have said different things, but he's not completely out of it. The last thing I'll say about this, it's not just the Washington Post, of course. CNN writes a ridiculous piece. CNN writes a ridiculous piece. How Bernie Sanders' heart attack changes the 2020 race. Oh boy, I'm not reading the whole thing. But he's the only candidate in the Democratic field, but he's not the only candidate in the Democratic field who would be affected by Sanders' heart attack. Well, Sanders at 78 is the oldest candidate in the contest, Former Vice President Joe Biden is 76 and Warren 70. If any of them were elected president next November, they would become the oldest person ever elected to a first term as president. 
Given that the three, three frontrunners for the Democratic nod are septuagenarians, the age health question has been a low buzz in the race from the start. But with Biden, Warren, and Sanders keeping schedules that would exhaust this 43-year-old in about a day's time, there's been little to hang those worries on. Now that's changed in a fundamental way. While Sanders and his campaign and his supporters are quick to downplay how serious or not this heart attack was for the Vermont senator, it's hard to get away from the facts. Sanders, a 78-year-old man, had a heart attack that required surgery. While there are lots and lots of people who have this exact experience, most of them are not running for president. And no one disputes that being president or even for it is a hugely stressful job. What's so funny to me about this ridiculous piece, first of all, you wrote a piece saying Bernie Sanders' heart attack changes the 2020 race. According to who? That's just an opinion masquerading as fact. Bernie Sanders, for all we know, could be back on the campaign trail next week doing three events a week, three, ad- three events a day. But I love how they put in there, uh, you know, that Bernie, Warren, and Biden have been keeping crazy schedules that put this 43-year-old to shame. This is, of course, Chris Saliza, that hack. Uh, Joe Biden is keeping a hectic schedule like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren? In fairness, Warren does campaign a lot. Joe Biden goes around the country doing more fundraisers than campaign rallies. Joe Biden does maybe one event a day. And there's many days, because I get the emails, he's meeting with advisors. Joe Biden isn't keeping a hectic schedule. He's basically having having himself a little mini fundraising vacation throughout the campaign. So if you want to look at somebody's health, why is Joe Biden barely campaigning? Why is he having more fundraisers? Well, we know why he's having more fundraisers, because he's not getting small dollar donations. That's why his anemic performance, uh, this is his anemic performance from last quarter. Kudos to Joseph for the fantastic graphic. I mean, he's dropped 10 million. 10 million! And by the way, in that first April through June, he raised more money in less time. So he raised less money given more time. And he's doing a fun, almost like three or four fun, big fundraisers a week. And we have a story about one of his recent fundraisers, which was just incredible, incredible to me. You know, I got to give Hillary Clinton credit in one regard. At least she like tried it, tried a little bit to be sneaky. At least she didn't like flaunt the corruption. She tried to hide it. She didn't want to release those Goldman Sachs speeches. She didn't want to. Uh, full transparency out there about you know her basically bending over bending over backwards and forwards for Wall Street banks. She wanted to have that progressive talk and keep that stuff to the side so nobody could see. Joe Biden, no, he don't give a damn. Joe Biden does not give a damn. He is very very happy to be openly corrupt, and he really doesn't care. He doesn't care if anyone knows it. So I was reading this article and I just, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I was stunned, but I'm just stunned that this isn't a bigger scandal. But of course it's not a big scandal because the media doesn't see anything wrong with this. In an article talking about Joe Biden and how he's been responding or not responding to Trump's attacks on, on he and his son Hunter, uh, obviously, don't you know the wealthy plutocrat donors are shook. So uh, 
to try and soothe their sugar daddies and mommies and those big dollar Wall Street banker donors, Mr. Biden's campaign manager, Greg Schultz, acknowledged some of those problems in a briefing for Democratic donors at Morgan Stanley's New York office last month. Mr. Schultz assured the group that they had a path to the nomination that depended on winning South Carolina, the fourth primary state, and then scoring big victories in the Super Tuesday primaries in March. Here you have a campaign talking about restoring, restoring the soul of America. Here you have a campaign calling Joe Biden middle-class Joe, union guy Joe. And as the president is just hammering him day in and day out and putting these ads out uh, with Trump, uh, excuse me, with Biden and his son standing with the Ukrainian gas guy and all these things, the Biden campaign tries to basically, you know, stop the girl from breaking up with you, you know, when your girlfriend or your boyfriend, like, you're trying, you're trying all the stops to keep them. Tries to soothe these shook bankers and hedge fund managers and real estate executives and oil men and women and, and Silicon Valley people and whoever the hell was in that meeting at the offices of a big bank, Morgan Stanley. Am I in the twilight zone or is this something very corrupt about this? And is it, what is more scandalous? The fact that Biden's campaign is basically having behind the scenes, you know, uh, massage therapy with their donors to make sure they don't jump ship at the offices of a big Wall Street bank? This is unbelievable. But of course the media doesn't care. The New York Times just wrote wrote it into the story like it's just a regular Tuesday in America where a presidential campaign is having its briefings and strategy meetings with its puppet master donors who basically buy the government and sell you down the river. The, these are the true, they, you know, Joe Biden is working for the public good, the public good of the plutocrats funding him the public good of the plutocrats that will then direct him if he's president. And by the way, Elizabeth Warren might not be doing that yet. She's taken a little time out from these big dollar donations and these big dollar fundraisers during the primary, but she's already said, well, in the general election, what can you do? We can't unilaterally disarm, we're told. Can't unilaterally disarm. Want to know another something disgusting? I don't cover her much because, like, who cares about Amy Klobuchar? Let's take a look at what Amy Klobuchar had to say about canceling student loan debt. I just don't agree with these policies, and I also think that they know that they most likely won't go through because they don't make any sense when you really take down the um, uh, veneer and get them off a bumper sticker and start looking at them, but they just keep promising it. And I just don't agree. I actually don't agree because I think it's not their best policy. They may be bold ideas. I think they're bad ideas, and there's a better way to do this. So if they know it's not going to go through, then why, why promise you? Because people like it. They like to hear that they're going to get everything free. Right? They like it. That's how Andrew Yang started his speech at the a debate. It was about giving people free $1,000. So, you know, it is, and that was from his campaign directly. So that is a lot of what the discussion is right now. 
And I think people know that we've got to make the economy work better for them. And so to me, this isn't necessarily about a free college or a free degree. It's about how can you help people afford the education that they want on the path they want and have it fit with our economy. I don't know what's more amazing about that. I don't know what's more amazing about that. How unbelievably wrong she is or how at the end, at the end, uh, at the end, she really fit with our economy is code is a, uh, it's a nice way of saying, it's a nice way of saying, uh, you know, fit with our capitalist class. Make sure our capitalist, plutocratic, vulture capitalists with these big loans strangling young people and frankly older people's necks, make sure they get paid. That's what she's saying. That's what it means fits in our economy. Because fits in our economy means follow the money, Lebowski. We cannot take away these loans because then my donors, my masters, my banking friends, my hedge fund friends, my mutual fund friends, all these will not get paid. Because I don't know what Amy Klobuchar is thinking. Can you, can you imagine for a second if you said, what, if you said to a, a person in their 20s, 30s, 40s, even 50s, uh, how would you become a more productive member of the, our economy, since she used the term our economy? Can you imagine if you give them a choice, you know, if we just get rid of the debt you owe uh, or, you know, have some different plan that's more complicated, like you could pay it back, uh, debt-free college or whatever the hell that means. Uh, you know, we could stack your loan payments back in, in more reasonable time periods, blah, blah, blah. How would you become a more productive part of our economy? You would not find one sane person or one mentally well person who would not answer, I'd be a lot more productive if I didn't have to, if, if this could just go away. So when she says it's a bad policy, what, what part of it makes it bad policy? Because the banks were given free money. Yeah, they say, oh, they paid it back. So it wasn't really free. Yeah, well, it was never really reported that it was actually $21 trillion given to the banks, not $750 billion. And by the way, Jill Stein, credit to Jill Stein and the Green Party, Jill Stein ran on this. Jill Stein ran on this in 2016. Can't, you could do, and there are reputable progressive economists who have said this, there is not a more powerful plan, even beyond Medicare for all, to jolt the economy than canceling all student debt. You would have more investment, more money going back into the economy because people could then breathe. People wouldn't have to spend hundreds or in some cases $1,000 of their monthly income on paying back loans. They would be able to go out to eat they would be able to buy new things, maybe take a vacation once at a blue moon, be a productive member of the economy rather than a big part of their paychecks going to pay debt. That What did that debt do for them? They're, they're, living, they're living paycheck to paycheck even with that debt, or they're working two to three jobs even with that debt. So what is she talking about? And also, this is a Democrat? She's using... And, and Coulter language. Oh, people just want free stuff. This is what the corporate Democratic Party establishment is. Right-wing Chamber of Commerce Republicans 
who are a lot nicer to immigrants and down with, you know, women, you do what you want with your body, you know, identity politics all the way, trans people, go wherever you want in a bathroom. All these things are good. I'm down with the social issues and the Democrats are better on social issues than Republicans, but social issues are not what affects your wallet. Social issues are not going to pay the bills to make sure you don't get evicted from your apartment. So that's not enough to just be better on social issues. But with right-wing pretend Democrats here, because these are not Democrats, these are Republicans, okay? Real Democrats are in the FDR breed, like Bernie Sanders. So, and by the way, a lot of people don't know this about Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar, she actually, uh, I think while, yeah, while she was a senator of Minnesota, um, there was legislation to basically remove frozen pizza from the vegetable category. And that would have it pulled out of more of our school cafeterias. Frozen pizza, very popular in school cafeterias all around the country. Also, pretty damn bad for your children. And uh, the it was uh, health groups were trying to push to get the vet, the sauce in frozen pizza removed from the vegetable category. Oh, Amy Klobuchar, she fought to have that frozen pizza remain as a as a vegetable. Couldn't have had anything to do with one of her top donors in Minnesota being a frozen pizza company. This is who I want to hear about, the economy, somebody who basically doesn't give a, give a damn about our children's health. Think about the obesity problems in this country, health problems in young children because of the crap they eat. Well, Amy Klobuchar, as a senator, fought against frozen pizza being removed as a vegetable. So this is who we're talking about. And I'll probably never cover Amy Klobuchar again because, honestly, who gives a damn?